it takes a lot of courage to go out there and push yourself because only you know if you're going as fast as you can. Only you know if you're giving 100% effort. People can tell on the tennis court if I'm lagging. People can tell when I'm not playing my best in golf. You know, you may not know. People around you might not know. Only you know, and you got to push yourself and dig deep. Uh, and I just have so much respect for people who run competitively because it can be lonely out there and it hurts. Welcome back to the Cream City Pacers podcast. Summer is coming to an end, which means fall marathons are just around the corner. I want to wish everyone the best of luck in their upcoming races. Today's episode is not going to follow the traditional path of a runner. This summer, I had the honor of sitting down with a man that is very familiar with being on camera. Vince Vitrano, TMJ4's Live at Daybreak anchor, joins us today for episode number nine. Fun fact, Vince is our very first guest that is verified on Instagram and Twitter. I know, I'm very jealous. We talk about what it's like being verified on social media and how Vince uses his social influence to give back to the community. I hope you guys enjoy today's show and don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Mimosa Breakfast and Brunch. Mimosa has been named the top brunch spot in Milwaukee multiple times. Located on 27th and Ryan Road in Franklin, Mimosa serves up your favorite breakfast dishes with a twist, like my favorite, the Greek yogurt banana split. Mimosa is open every day of the week from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. You can make your reservations at mimosabreakfast.com. Now, without further ado, on to the show. Hey everyone, it's good to be back in the studio for another episode of the Cream City Pacers. Today we have a man who is not shy of the camera or microphone, but is this your first podcast? Uh, it's not, but it's well, it's my first podcast outside of my actual job. Boom. So we'll take that. First time I've been invited. I'd like to welcome Vince Ventrano to the show. Thanks, Alex. How's it going? It's great. I'm, I'm still wondering why I'm here. But well, we'll get into that a little bit. We'll get into that. I'm more <laughs> excited about you just came from the state fair. So you loaded up on a bunch of goodies. Yeah, we did pretty well this year. I had my three kids with me. I had some radio stuff to do in the afternoon. So brought the kids and hung out. No cream puff this year. I'm disappointed, but also I wanted to free myself up for some other items. Um, cream cheese. What was it? Bacon cream cheese. Deep fried bacon cream cheese on a stick. Ooh. Solid item. That solid. Solid and heavy. <laughs> For those of you that don't know Vince, he is uh, an anchor on TMJ4. So how did I do with my intro? I'm usually not nervous about it, but being a lead anchor, you you have to be one, two, three, go. Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was well, the whole, you know what, honestly, the whole thing is preparation. You, you know, you're obviously well prepared. You know your topic. And I tell young people that all the time. Uh, there is no substitute for being prepared. So if you're, if you're struggling somehow in the business, just uh, try to be ultra prepared. So appears you've done very well, Alex. I like it. All right. All right. Thanks so for asking. Prepare, being prepared always wins. I enjoy that. All right. So before we jump into your running story and why, as you said, you're here, uh, your Twitter bio says you graduated space camp in, 19, in 1982 and you are a hashtag wannabe astronaut but you're a news anchor. Tell us the story behind that. Can't do math. Now back to you. <laughs> End of story. That's awesome. Uh, I did not know Space Camp was a thing. Right? No, it's for real. And a lot of people... The only, it is for real. They're a ver verified Twitter account. Yeah. The only thing a lot of people know about Space Camp is the 80s movie that came out, Space Camp, which mm -hmm. was... Uh, 
woefully inaccurate, but still a lot of fun, particularly for somebody who went. Um, so I actually went to what's called Space Academy Level 2. They've got all different levels. They even have an adult space camp. Uh, at least they did when I, was, when I went. Um, so you can have younger kids. And then I was in high school when I went. So it was actually pretty serious. It was like a 10-day camp. They taught you to, to fly the space shuttle in 10 days. We were in simulators, and they were simulators that NASA used to use and then donated to the camp at the Space and Rocket Center. So it was all, it was highly legit. Did you leave still wanting to be an astronaut? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. It was, I mean, it was a total passion up until junior, senior year in high school. And the only thing that really stopped me from pursuing it was at that point, you start to kind of hone what, you know, what are your abilities in, in life? And I was sleepwalking through advanced English and struggling in all of my math and stuff like that. I just could I, the numbers were not my thing. Yeah. So I thought, you know, maybe God made some people to be astronauts and I'm not one of them. Well, who would have known so much <laughs> math needs to go into getting, right. getting up in space? You get lost up there, you got to find your way home. And that, that would have been a problem. <laughs> That's funny. All right, so let's jump into it. So we were emailing back and forth for a while about like if you should be on the show, you asking that. I mean, you said my relationship with running is very different than that of your guests and listeners. I mean, that's pretty interesting, but yeah, you're here. So let's talk about your journey into running. I know before the show you were talking about as a kid, you kind of did it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people would know my dad um, if, if they're connected to the community. Um, maybe less so now, but certainly years ago. My dad is uh, a Hall of Fame cross-country uh, coach. He's in the Wisconsin Cross-Country Coaches Association Hall of Fame. Coached cross-country and track for more than 40 years at Wauwatosa East. So the entirety of my life was my dad and his passion for running. Um, and yet as a kid, like I was a little bit of a toad, slightly overweight, not <laughs> remotely interested in running or really doing anything that required a lot of effort, you know? So, yeah. uh, it, it just, did didn't mix well for me. So we ran my brother, my little brother, and then my sister is much younger than us. She's 10 years younger than me. So, um, my brother and I are four years apart. He's younger. Um, and so we ran as kids just cause that's what dad had us do. We do rec department run in the summer. Um, I think I ran cross country in like seventh grade for the team. It just was not my thing. Um, I know my dad knew that. Um, my brother ran for him. My brother ran for him in high school and was serviceable as a runner. So I'm glad he had an opportunity to coach my brother, but that was just, was just not my bag. So I, I largely divorced from running uh, by the time I was in high school. Did your dad try to push you through it still? No, you know what he did, Alex, was I was in other sports. I mean, he was also athletic director at Tosa East for more than 10 years. He was passionate about sports of all kind. Um, and actually growing up, baseball was his first love and, and for us too. And he really instilled that in my brother and me. And we enjoyed going to County Stadium and big Brewers fans and all that. So um, he's a sports fan. And uh, I think he would have been really disappointed had I not been an athlete of any kind. You know, but I found different pursuits. I went out for uh, football in high school, um, and then I played tennis, and that was really my primary. So as long as I was doing something, he was cool. He did not try to push me toward running. What he did try to do, rightly, was to push me toward running to train. Um, and, you know, as a, as a teenager, I wish I'd listened a little bit more. 
<laughs> running when you're a teenager, <laughs> if you're not a runner, is the worst. Right? Should, I, why I, am I doing this? This I is not my that. sport, right? Uh, I, I played football like, just like you, and we had to run the mile, I feel, once in a while. Yeah. And it was like, there was times you either were like a specialized time or like a lineman time. And mm-hmm. I always just ran the lineman time because I'm like, I hate doing this. <laughs> right. I wasn't a big guy, but right. Um, I was uh, I was lineman time as well. You know, coach, uh, some, some people might know John Richmond's name. Uh, coach Richmond was a track coach over Tosa East as well, and then football coach for 900 years there. And he had a thing, you know, it was like, get your calendars out. The linemen are running 40s. <laughs> you know, that was his thing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, but my dad was right in trying to get me to run to train and the value of that, regardless of your sport, um, how important it is for, for that cardiovascularly and then, you know, in your muscle groups and different things. He's a big fan of diversity in athletics, which you see less and less now where kids specialize at younger ages. But it was really important to him that I, that I ran to train. So that's key. Yeah. And uh, I finally listened to him, you know, like after high school. <laughs> I mean, a little bit going into my senior year. I remember we we didn't run the we didn't have to run the mile, but we ran four uh, hundreds, and um, I don't know. I was over a minute for my four hundred time, and it was awful. Um, I, was, I was well over a minute. Um, now I'm getting my times mixed up. Minute would be okay, right? Not terrible, but whatever. I had I had a terrible time my junior year. I can't remember what the time was, yeah. but I cut like twenty five seconds off at my senior year when I came back, cause I actually had done a little bit of training in the summer mm-hmm. and it was, you know, I, I just remember how impressed the coaches were and it was like, wow, this kid actually tried and trained and, and did some stuff. So I, I did see the value of it a little bit uh, initially, but really I played tennis for three years in college. And then, um, when I began that pursuit and it became, you know, really competitive, then I'm like, it really started to appreciate the value and the connection between, wow, if you actually work hard and train, you can be better at this. <laughs> So you ran, played tennis mm-hmm. in college for three years, yeah. and then you were running to help your training for it. Um, so once college was done, did you still play tennis, or did you run? No, you know, uh, the, the disaster of my life was I took up golf. <laughs> First of all, you can't teach a kid new sports. Um, if you don't do that growing up, it's a real challenge because there's so much muscle memory and so many things moving around, too many moving parts in this game. But I fell in love with it, and I really started playing a lot of golf. So I largely abandoned tennis for almost 20 years. Um, I've since gotten back to it in the last five or 10 years, and and I'm glad it's back in my life, but golf is kind of my primary right now. Um, But so immediately after college, I was largely non-athletic with exception of, yeah, I take it a little bit more seriously, like the golf. I just, I love the game um, and I always walk. And so, you know, obviously that's, that is great exercise, but it's not aerobic exercise. And it's a little bit different effect that you're going to have on the body in terms of, you know, if you're doing it for health reasons. So, um, yeah, when uh, a few times here and there, then after that, you know, I would get back in and be like, I'd get a little bit overweight and be like, I, I, I got to run. I got I to gotta get back to, to a running regimen. And I would come in and then I'd lose the weight and then I'd fall out and I'd come back in I'd fall out and I'd come back in. And so pretty much when we got back to Milwaukee, um, and it was always the goal. My first job was up in Green Bay after college. I went to St. Norbert, um, same area. So um, goal was always to get back down here and to work for TMJ4. I grew up in Wauwatosa, as I said. So um, when we got back down here in 2000, that's when I started running again uh, pretty much regularly, and it's been that that way ever since. And why just moving back, you decided to just change things up and get well, that, new habits or what? Yeah, and um, that, and I was fat. So I was, I was as heavy as I've ever been coming back um, 
I think probably then. So I was at about like a buck 75 and I'm only five, six. People always say, I thought you were taller. You know, I look at you on TV. I thought you're taller. (laughs) Everything's deceptive on TV, including my height. So I'm kind of a little dude. So no reason I should be 175 pounds. So that's when I was like, dude, you've got to like get on a program. So, you know, it was, it was just being committed to doing it at least five days a week, getting out there. Oh, so you just decided to commit to it. Do you like remember, was it like one specific event or like you were at a race or something that was like, I- I'm doing this, I'm committing to it? Well, the thing for running with me, Alex, was I always knew that that was the thing that could get me in the physical shape that I needed to be. It wouldn't be biking. It wouldn't be, I was never a swimmer. It wouldn't be doing these other things or sports or whatever. I always knew that the one thing that I could rely on that could actually help me lose weight and be healthier was running. Um, so, so I knew that when, when I got to that point of being overweight, like this is what I have to get back to that much. I knew it was probably my wife and I took a trip to, to see her in-laws. She's got family out West in British Columbia and uh, Northern Idaho. And they had been around for our wedding, which was like a year before that. And then um, it was the first time I'd seen a lot of them since. And their surprise and seeing that I put on a few pounds and be like, well, married life's treating you pretty well. I'm like, Oh, they're saying I'm fat, dude. <laughs> Cause sometimes you Burn. don't know you're fat, right? Burn. <laughs> Great to see you all again. Oh, right. And I'm, I'm like glad I came. I, I think I may be fat. <laughs> yeah. I had that same same realization where it was like, do I go up to an extra large or do I do something else? And at the time my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was a runner, so it was like, let's do it. Yeah. And what I'm gonna ask is, did you you started to run. Was it five days a week right away? Or did you start slowly get, getting into it and seeing like that fat just kind of slip off? Yeah, no, pretty much I'm either doing it or I'm not. So I, again, having been down that road and, you know, I had the background of my dad, you know, my dad read every day. I don't know if he took off days on rare occasion, but he was to the point where I am now. And probably a lot of people were listening. Um, like if you don't get your run in, you don't feel right. Um, so I knew it's a bad day, right? Yeah. Or you feel like you didn't earn your lunch or your dinner whenever you, you know, uh, you plan things around it and it it matters to you. So, um, unless you're, you've planned in a deliberate rest day for some reason. But, um, so I knew that was where I needed to be, um, to, to get the health benefit that I was looking for. Okay. So you're committed. How many miles were you doing then? So then, you know, throughout this entire process since the last 20 years, um, it's been as few as three. That's about the minimum I got to do to get some benefit out of it. It's, I do an easy three. Um, it's been as much as five and sort of, you know, in between there. Um, you know, I won't run for, for more than an hour. It's usually somewhere between 30 and 45 minutes. Um, and lately, and we can get into it, but I'm, a, I'm on IR, so I'm on the elliptical right now with a tear in my meniscus. So I haven't really been running for about six months, but... Um, Generally, when I'm when I'm doing when I'm running like I want to, it's about four miles right now, and probably eight and a half nine minute mile, just an easy pace. Again, I'm not in this for some of the reasons that other people are. I run only to be less fat, and I don't even generally like it that much. I like it when I'm done, you know. Yeah, it feels good when you're done. So right. you, for the last twenty years, you've been running yeah. three to five miles a day yeah. at the same pace, and you've Pretty just much. been doing that. You've been doing that. Yeah. Have you had, uh, I, I mean, you know, a lot of runners where it's like, oh, I can do three miles. I, mm-hmm. I couldn't run and now I can do three miles and right. now it's five. And then someone tells you to run a half marathon. And the next thing you know, it's like, whoa, like I'm doing this. You didn't get that bug. 
Yeah, I I kept waiting for it to come, you know, especially given given the family history. Maybe I didn't inherit those genes. Um, you know, although my dad um, in adulthood was never a competitive runner. Um, he ran cross country at Marquette University um, and actually hadn't gone out for cross country until he was in college. Um, played some sports, uh, growing up, played baseball, played football, I think, um, did other things. So, you know, he found running later in life than many people do. Um, but other than that, outside of that, like he wasn't a competitive runner either. He wasn't doing five K's and whatever. He put all of his, his spirit and energy that way into his teams. Um, and so you're right. The competitive bug never bit me. I've, I've done a few races. I've done a 5k, uh, you know, here and there. I did, a a cool race up in Door County many, many years ago, but that was a five mile. That's the longest competitive race I've done. Um, and it's cool. It's fun. But yeah. like, that's, um, like I said, I don't really enjoy running that much. So but you do it right. five times a week. Right. So you got to like it a little bit. I like what I like about it is what it does for my mind when I'm out there. So I'm one of these people, no Walkman, no, you know, um, I guess when I'm at the gym, if it's super cold and I've got to do treadmill, sure, I'll put the TV on. But even then, like I use that to clear my mind or organize my thoughts. Or if I have a speech coming up, um, I'll write the speech in my brain while I'm running or, um, you know, different things like that. So I use that time and it's really it's really great for me mentally, psychologically. So I do get that benefit out of it. Um, and again, physically, I, I love how I feel after. Um, and that's important to me, but in terms of like, you know, I know runners who just love how it feels to be out there and, um, they, they, they love the high they get from running and, and, and all of that. And so f- physically for me, it's not an enjoyable process. It's not. Uh, every now and then, man, I'll have a good run, and I'll be like, that was pretty cool. Like, I had a good run. Um, and some of it depends on changing up the scenery, again, because I'm kind of utilitarian about it. Like, I usually step out my back door wherever that happens to be at whatever point in life. So right now, we live in Greendale. I run, you know, I have neighbors who say, like, oh, I saw you out this morning, saw you out, whatever, because I run sort of the same route. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mix it up much. I just run around the neighborhood. When we lived on the east side and when we lived in Bayview, my runs were a little more exciting along the lake and some other spots. But um, yeah, so so the primary enjoyment really comes from just being able to have that time alone and organize my thoughts and then and then know again and then I'm realizing a, a, an athletic benefit. And I still, I train for the sports that I'm involved in. I train for golf and I train for tennis. And, and that helps to have those other things. That's where I like to compete. So to know that I have those other things out there where competition is important to me, I feel like there's a purpose to my running um, and that it's to, you know, to build that cardio, to build that muscle group. Um, and I see an advantage to that play out in, in those other sports. That matters to me. It's interesting. So though you run, it's like training for that. It is. And that's one of the reasons I have such great respect for, you know, I'll call them real runners. Um, you know, I, I define myself as someone who runs. I don't necessarily define myself as a runner um, because I think runners have just a greater passion for the act itself. But um, it, it's one area where, uh, you know, I, I see that communion with them in that uh, the physical benefits are so great. But I, I do like to compete. It's just not in that, you know, in that sport. But I have such great respect for, for runners because when your competition is, man, it can be very lonely. Um, it takes a lot of courage to go out there and push yourself because only you know if you're going as fast as you can. 
only you know if you're giving 100% effort. People can tell on the tennis court if I'm lagging. People can tell when I'm not playing my best in golf, you know. You may not know. People around you might not know. Only you know, and you got to push yourself and dig deep. Uh, I just have so much respect for people who run competitively because it can be lonely out there, and it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, and, and, and if you're doing it right. Yeah, I mean, the mindset people have to keep pushing too is insane. Like, I, I look at everyone else and go, man, I am so weak compared to what these people are pushing their bodies to do. But at the same time, someone else could, you know, look at you that same way. Do you think you wouldn't be at the same competitive level you're at now without running? Certainly not. No, I mean, uh, I know I wouldn't be in as good a physical condition. You know, it's funny what, what we were talking about, about your, your show introduction. I feel that way athletically as well. You know, people always tell you you have to have confidence. You have to walk out on the court with confidence. You have to go on the on the golf course with confidence. Well, where does confidence come from? For me, it's in preparation. So if I go out there and I can look at, you know, myself being prepared physically where I know that won't be an issue regardless of my opponent or in golf, you're playing the golf course and we have a lot of beautiful golf courses out here that can be a long track. That's a seven mile walk. You know, it can be up and down. So, uh, and I and I always uh, I always walk, and I usually carry my own, um, or or push them on a cart. So, um, you know, you get to get to the back nine, and if you're winded, you're, you're not going to play well. So, uh, a, a lot of it is not only physically being in shape, but then giving me that psychological confidence of knowing I have prepared for this. Yeah. Would you say you love running? Yeah, I guess you know that's funny. I would have I would have said no before our conversation. But you've made, <laughs> Alex, you've made me see um, that I suppose I do. I mean, I think anything you do that frequently, I suppose you have to have a love for it, right? Um, and I must love it because I don't really like it. Yeah. <laughs> Yet I do well, it. <laughs> it's interesting. Before, a couple of minutes ago, you said that you don't consider yourself a real runner because yeah. you don't have the same passion as a real right. runner would have. So it's interesting what's the definition of what a runner is. I suppose, when we right. talk, yeah. when, we, when you're talking, I'm like, oh, you run like every day of the week, like five, three to five miles. Like, yeah, you're a runner. Right. Um, but I never thought of your definition of there's the passion, there's the passion side right. of it. Like you have to have passion to do it. It's interesting just how you look at it and kind of where you bring it to yourself. You said you don't run competitively or, or I, that frequently. Well, also what's competitive running to me, right. it's like the people at the front of the races who are okay. doing, so you're in the race. You're just... So I'm in the races. I've run marathons and halves. And if I'm out there, That's I'm wild. battling to get a personal record and right. I'm, I'm going to push myself until like to my level of, I either have to slow down or I'm at the finish line. So I guess was, is, would that be competitive running? Yeah. Yeah. Up? That's what I meant. Like, are you in races? Yes. You know? but, oh yeah. But people are in and there too even within that group, like you've defined a number of different subsets. I mean, some people are out there cause they could maybe win that race or, you know, place well. And then some people are out there just to finish. And then some people are out there, you know, looking for PRs and, you know, uh, evaluating themselves in that way. Um, so the, even within that culture of people who, who want to do races and some people might just be there for the communal aspect of it. I mean, that's the cool thing about, about this podcast that you're doing about the, you know, whether it's the Striders or some of these other running groups that are out there that uh, what I find in the community is a lot of people want to be connected to other runners. Um, and when you do these big events, well, that's that's you know, one way you get connected. Yeah, it's great. And the running groups, too. I do you do most of your runs by yourself. Yeah, I would assume you say the best part about running is you can step out your back right. door and go for it. So that's like when you said that, it's like, that's so cool. I, that's why I love running. But at the same time, like the community part of it's great. Like I've been a part of a lot of running groups and it's just so fun. 
it's funny though too the, on rare occasion that I have t- a chance to run with someone um a couple of friends or uh, on occasion particularly when I was you know toward the lake you know you're uh, in Bayview I'd run into people sometimes and somebody else is out there running and you just kind of stride together for a little while and talk and what just throws me completely off because <laughs> I'm not, not used to talking to anybody or trying to <laughs> trying to maintain a conversation out there those are always more challenging runs I enjoy it but um yeah it's very different that's pretty funny so do you um you run around your neighborhood a lot mm-hmm. I assume it's yeah. mostly the same routes if you're doing three to five pretty miles. much yeah you see uh, a lot of the same runners doing the same thing around you yeah I mean um in my other neighborhoods, certainly more Bayview and the east side. Yeah, a little more active. Yeah, and then proximity to the lakefront. You know, when we were on the east side, I'd run through Lake Park. I mean, it's packed full of runners. Yeah. If you get down to Lincoln Memorial and, you know, go along the lake there. And then Bayview, uh, a couple of really good spots going through South Shore Park. And then particularly when you're coming back toward the city, it's one of the best places to look at the skyline. So those are packed full of people. Um, I'm just running down neighborhood streets yeah. <laughs> in Greendale, so I don't see a lot of other people out there. If I wanted to, um, number of parks really close to us. Whitnell Park has a lot of people running through there along the parkway and that. Love Whitnell um, Park. And it's just that it's just a beautiful property mm-hmm. and tons of tons of places. I mean, you get lost in there in a lot of different ways. So um, there are certainly people out there uh, when I'm when I'm out. Nice. So you are an anchor for TMJ4. Um, it's not often we get to talk to someone who's behind the camera all day. So this is, <laughs> this is pretty fun. Uh, so you, you brought up before that you, you used your running time to kind of thinking space or brainstorming space. So yeah. do you focus on work a lot? Like, are you thinking about tomorrow or, you know, what, what you have to say? Are you doing a lot of preparation in that? Yeah. So, uh, because of what I do and because of it's, it's a visible position, I do a lot of, um, MC gigs or speeches or things like that. Um, and I'm involved with a number of charitable organizations as well. So if there's a speech to write that I have to present, sometimes I'll do that. Um, otherwise, there's always something at work, either a story I'm working on where I might be working on the phraseology or um, an interview, particularly if it's a if it's a high profile interview, you have the governor in, or you have the mayor in, or you have uh, you know some other civic leader coming, somebody who's pretty important that I want to make sure that my T's are crossed and my I's are dotted. Um, I'll go through a series of questions, possible comebacks that they could have, if they challenge me on anything, if they avoid me on something, how would I politely get them back on topic, you know, things like that. And I'll work through that, those mental gymnastics. Have well, any of the worst case scenarios that you've gone in through your head while running ever actually have happened? Rarely worst case. I mean, and part of that is just because of who we are right in Southeast Wisconsin and in Milwaukee. Um, I think largely we have, um, a group of people that speaks respectfully to each other. So even if uh, I've got, you know, Mayor Tom Barrett in the studio or former Governor Scott Walker, you know, either side of the aisle, uh, I have relationships with both of them and I, I'm prideful about it that I could challenge them on a, on a subject or on a topic. Um, and I would do so respectfully so they didn't feel attacked and it was a good conversation and they would answer respectfully so I didn't feel avoided. Yeah. Um, you know, and that, that's my goal is I think, and that's what I think people want to see. Um, I think they want to see a, a real conversation where people are challenged, but, but that the, the tone is respectful. Yeah, totally. I totally get it. I always, you know, when you think in your head, you get lost a lot of worst case scenarios. <laughs> right. Come up and, but you gotta be I'm ready. Not, Back I'm to not preparedness. Like doing interviews, so being prepared is the key, <laughs> right. but I'm glad you haven't had any, any nightmare situations. So how is running like affected your work? 
and work life, just all of that together. And I, and I anchor the morning show now, um, as I have for, I think we're on 13 years, Susan Kim and myself. And so it's a, it's a really important part of my day because I get up at three o'clock in the morning and then, um, I'm into work by four. I'm usually home at one thirty or two in the afternoon. So then I'll do my workout right away after I've experimented with different things. Have, you, to, have you tried working out before? Working? No. I- interesting. We had, um, I've, I've worked with a number of colleagues who here and there have, have gone that route instead of getting up at three, they'd get up at one thirty, do their, do their workout. But you have to be in a position in your life to go to bed at six o'clock at night. Then I am oh. not there. I got three little kids. Well, not too little. My oldest is 14. I have twins who are going to be 12. So, all right. I got stuff to do. I, I didn't know you had twins. Yeah. I have twins as well. It's a bigger club than we thought. Yeah. Isn't it's it? cool. <laughs> Coming I find in. out a lot of people have, to, you're the second right. guest on the show that has twins. So that is, uh, well, I never cool. recommend it. That's tough living for a while. Isn't <laughs> yeah, it? I just recommend <laughs> having one at a time. Right. How old are you? Uh, they turn one, uh, in a couple oh, weeks. Oh man. He's like, you don't want to hear my complaints. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've graduated from the tougher years. Um, it gets a lot better, my friend. Yeah. So well, thank you. You will sleep again. Oh, good. Um, you don't do that. Have you experimented with it? No, never, never bothered. Uh, it's just, you know, if I can get to bed by eight o'clock on a school night, maybe I'll push to nine. That's still only about six hours of sleep. Not really enough, but it's, but I can be functional. What I've experimented with is after work, do I go home and try to take a, like a, a brief nap hour, hour and a half, then get up and work out. Um, I just found it was so hard for me to restart that that was often a challenge if I wanted to do my run after, you know, shutting it down for a while. So now what I've, what I've been committed to the last several years is just get out of work and, and, and do it right away. Um, like I said, I've got a torn meniscus in my left knee. going to get that taken care of at the end of the year. So um, I, I hope to return to running then. But right now I'm on the elliptical, but I do that right away after work now. Nice. You're still getting out. You can do the elliptical with the torn Yeah, no meniscus. pain, no problems there. Um, the only thing that really bothers the knee um, is, is the pounding, you yeah, know, and I just, that pavement. yeah, I just can't do it. I, I did for a while and it was just sore. That was fine. I'll deal with it. You know, I'll take yeah. a few ibuprofen and be done with it. But it got to the point where I functionally, I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. So you're going to have surgery. Yeah. Or, or what, what's going to happen? So I went to, I got a buddy who's an orthopodist at orthopedic associates and he's a friend. Um, I went to see him and you know, he, uh, we did x-rays to make sure there's no structural damage before even the MRI. Just, he's like, look, based on your symptoms, what you're telling me, no structural damage. It's probably a torn meniscus. And what he said at the time is a lot of people are walking around with that. So it's just a matter of what you want to do. Do you want to take some anti-inflammatories and live with it? Do you want to, you know, if you want to talk about surgical options, we think we have great outcomes, but that's totally up to you. So I let it ride for a year and it's gotten worse and now I can't run. And I'm like, do I want to really? I'm 46 or 45. Jeez, I should really know how old I am, man. I think good. I'm 45. Right? I'm in there. Uh, but, you know, do I want to Do I not never run again? No, I don't, that, that's absurd. So when I look at it that way, um, and the other thing that pushed me this year was I had my appendix out earlier this year. So now that I'm on a rocket sled past the deductible, we might as well get this taken oh, care of. Yeah, if you got the deductible gone, right? you might as well just go for it. I, I blew that up in May. Oh, man. What... Uh, just uh, how did that come about? Uh, it wasn't pleasant. Just a really wicked stomach ache, like people said. Yeah, people often say it's one side or another. I can't yeah. remember which side it's supposed to be. I didn't feel that. I just felt like I thought I was sick to my stomach. Tried to sleep it off. That didn't work. Went into work, actually. 
came in at you know four in the morning. Guys were looking at me like, "Dude, you are not well." Did you <laughs> go I, on air? No, I and I never call in sick. Yeah. I think I mean it's a handful of times in my twenty plus year career. So, you know when I when they looked when they looked at me and they said like, "Look, dude," one of my friends said. There's a list of people that when they call in sick, I wonder, are they really sick? He goes, you're not on that list. Go home, man. <laughs> so, Dang. So I went home and, again, still tried to try to just deal with it. And then when my wife woke up, she's like, um, "We're, I can either put the kids on the school bus and take you to the hospital now, or I can drive them like we were going to, and I'll take you to the hospital then. But either way, dude, this is happening. Crazy. Yeah. And then after that, it's real quick. They don't mess around. So I was in surgery that afternoon, had it out. It's a, it's a really fairly benign surgery, but it is surgery. The one thing that, that surprised me more than anything was um, I thought my recovery would be all about where the incisions were, you know, getting my stomach muscles back and all that. I holistically was not right for a month. And I just mean like I was tired and yeah. my body didn't respond to things how it, I was used to it doing and that surprised me see so do you think that has a little impact on maybe what you want to do with your meniscus well a little bit i'm like i'm not looking forward to going under anesthesia again um it's only going to be uh talked to the doc recently we did the mri confirmed the diagnosis so it'll be a relatively easy procedure um and he has great outcomes with it if if he can repair it he will if he can't he'll clean it up a little bit so it's not flapping around in there and anybody who's had that knows that feeling, you can almost feel it. Like, really? thick, 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 thick. Oh, it makes a clicking crazy. noise. Yeah, it's no I'm... good. So you know, he'll tighten that up and, and it'll be a good outcome. So, um, but I'm going to wait till after golf season. Uh, so it hasn't affected golf or tennis? Or oddly, golf? oddly, it hasn't. Um, it hasn't affected my golf swing. And you would think it's my left knee and that's my plant. Yeah. So I'm surprised it hasn't. It hurts a lot to walk. Um, and so it's affected me there. And I know sometimes it gets in my brain. Um, if I manage some anti-inflammatories before a round, um, I do okay. Um, tennis, it's uh, affected me a little bit, only in that I know it's there and I know it's going to hurt, but I've so far been able to overcome it in shorter bursts. Um, so tennis is just quick movements here and there. It's not, you know, it's not the long strides, and you're not doing it for a long time at once. So uh, I've been able to survive, and we'll we'll get through the season, and then we'll fix it up. All right. Well, I'm glad to hear that. So what you you'll be out. F- running for even longer but that's okay because you'll be back then stronger yeah i think so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting back i'll be interested to see how soon i i get back out and test it running i you know i think i'll return to elliptical for a little while while we heal up and then you know i'll just do what the doc says i don't need to rush that um and then i'm an outside runner if i can be um i really prefer it on the, the only thing that caused me to finally join a gym was wasn't this last winter, but the winter before when we had just a brutal cold stretch and it just, I just was going out there when it's, you know, two, three below zero and it just, right. You know, if it, and anybody who runs in that, you know, you can do it, but man, it hurts. Yeah. Like I'm all about running in the winter. You put some layers on, Yeah, you can dress appropriately and you go out and it's, it's actually great. Cause it's so quiet when it, after like a fresh right. snow. Oh yeah. That, Brilliant. It's, it's perfect. But when it's super cold like that, it's just like, all right, I'm, I'm not going to run today right? or go to the gym in your case. So yeah, that's cool. You get, you get out all year then. Yeah. What's your favorite season to run it? I love fall. Fall's my favorite season, hands down, uh, for anything. I mean, it's hard to beat some of those spring days when you're, 
when it finally breaks like 60 degrees and it feels good and you're like, oh my gosh, summer's coming. So, so that's great. Um, I also don't, I don't mind it hot. I know a lot of people really, and again, I'm not doing 10 miles. I'm not, you know, so it's a little bit different for me, um, because I'm only going to be out there for 30 to 40 minutes, but, um, I like it hot too. So I'll take, I'll take a good 90 plus degree day and humid and just kind of enjoy feeling loose. Yeah. It feels um, good, but when right? you have to do a long distance, it's hot. no, it's no good. And, oh. and that's not healthy. Yeah, that's right? It's not. just not. I was, I was stuck the other weekend, just stuck miles away from home being like, I am not hydrated <laughs> or fueled and I literally have to walk home. This is terrible. Shame on me. But anyways, so transitioning a little bit into social media. So you uh, have been awarded some different rewards for being a reporter and an anchor uh, with the Associated Press and the Milwaukee Press Club. You also have a 2015 Chicago Midwest Regional Emmy. This is all pretty cool. But I think my favorite one that I found is in 2018, you got the Wisconsin Broadcasters Association Award for Best Social Slash, slash Digital Media Personality. Personality. I mean, that's pretty cool. So, right, you're verified on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, that's pretty awesome. Funny story about that. My 14-year-old, I can't remember why we were talking about what I do or whatever. And she said, yeah, well, all my friends know you and they think you're really cool. I said, because I'm on TV? She was, no, because you're verified on Instagram. (laughs) She was serious. Like, talk about a generational difference. Like, they could care less if I'm on TV, but I got that check mark on Insta. When you get that check mark on Insta, it's (laughs) like game over. I mean, big deal. Name any celebrity. Right. They have a check mark. And you have a check mark. Like, you got, like, that's insane. That's so cool. So, if it's done nothing for me other than uh, cause my kid to have at least a little bit of respect for me, that's 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 okay, man. Okay. So, that's how I know I'd get my kids to respect me. I'll have to work to get a check mark. Yeah. Get that check mark. I'd love to see some more running posts. Okay. Running doesn't right. doesn't appear a lot for you doing it every day. I'd love to see I'd love to see it a little bit. You'll be the first to know, man. I will I will alert you when I when I do a running post. Okay, for maybe sure. you get like I gotta a, get back in. You could get like a hashtag trend, like a local hashtag. Like people people I could see this blowing up. Okay. You could we could blow up. How do you like using social media? Especially being, you know, you have your face and the news and everything. Mm-hmm. What I try to do, Alex, is people aren't there for commercials and they're not there for me to promote what we're doing on TMJ all the time. And they're not there exclusively for news content. So I really try to, you know, I know that's the reason that people were drawn to that because they've seen me on TV or they know what I do, or there's the TMJ brand and they're, they've associated with that. So I do know that they, they want some of that from me. Um, and that's my purpose for being on there. But, you know, I think people want, a little bit of value added. They want something else. So I share all kinds of stuff about my family, um, about what I'm doing, and then a lot about my charitable work. I'm chairman of the board of directors for Special Olympics Wisconsin. So I will, I do a lot of fundraising through my social, you know, I've built a, a large group there. And so I'll appeal to them as often as I, as I need help with things. And people have been terribly generous. Um, I, was on the board of directors for the first tee of Southeast Wisconsin. That's a life skills through golf mm-hmm. charity. Um, and then a number of other things that I help with, including children's hospital and the work that they do there and, uh, down syndrome association of Wisconsin, number of other charities. So I'll promote that work through there. Um, not to self-glorify, but more to, to share the good work that other people are doing. And then really then to be able to come back to them and say like, um, you've been interested in this before you've, you've consumed this content that I've told you about this. Can I, can I appeal to you to, to help us out with a contribution? And I feel like if, if I've earned that relationship with, with people in social, um, that they'll be more likely to, to be generous that way. 
Yeah, definitely. And, and going back to what you said, it kind of opens up the like personal side of you. Like, yeah, just you're on camera giving the news. It's cool to see the initiatives you're a part of and what you're doing. Like, I, I hope so. Yeah, it's cool to see you do the polar plunge in <laughs> right? your yes. suit because you wear it on TV. <laughs> I did do that. That was pretty cool. So why is it important to you to be involved in these charities? I mean, being the chairman mm-hmm. of the board of directors for yeah. Special Olympics is I'm assuming that's a lot of time and that's a big role. It is. And the other thing that's funny about it is um, that's that's not really my area of expertise, board work. I mean, I've, I've certainly learned a lot. I've been on the board for uh, seven years now. Um, so I've certainly learned a lot and I had a lot of things to offer. But traditionally, board members are people who have HR experience or senior leadership experience, managerial, things like that, you know, and uh, you got your bankers and stuff so they can run the finance. So that was, it's not my area. You know, I have other things that, that I can, can do, but, um, you know, you join the board because you're passionate about what the mission is. I love being around our athletes. I love being at events. I love, um, what we're doing for their greater independence, uh, and the movement. But then when you end up doing board work, it oftentimes has nothing to do with any of that. You're, it's logistics and you're running a company, you know? So that's the challenge more than the time is just doing this stuff that's not really in my wheelhouse to begin with and then not exactly why I got into it. Um, but there's still plenty of time to, to be with the athletes, and I, I know they're grateful uh, to the, all the volunteers who help. So it's, it's really rewarding. I, but you asked why it's important. I mean... I think for anybody who has um, a certain degree of visibility, uh, it's so you have to use that to do good because people want to hear from you. So people will take my phone call because they've heard my name or people will maybe pay attention or more people will follow me on Twitter or Instagram or whatever it is because they, they because there's that notoriety. And I feel like, boy, if I have that and I have that platform, I should do some good things with that outside it. That's a great perspective on how to use social media, not just like a consumption tool for you to get lost on, but to give back to the initiatives that you're helping lead. And what you said was interesting. I never really thought I'm not on the board of anything. So how you explain that, the, your time is spent running a business, but you're, but you're so committed that you're willing to do that, even though, like you said, that might not be your favorite thing to do. And that's awesome. That's incredible. Um, well, thank you for all your initiatives that you do. It's pretty, the list is big. You have a lot. You do a lot. We've got a lot of good runners in Special Olympics. I mean, our our track and field event, uh, our state summer games in Stevens Point every year. We've been 40 years in Stevens Point. um, And we have, you know, we're uh, intellectual disabilities is our hallmark. Um, Many of our athletes also have physical disabilities that that have come uh, either as a result of the ID or some other issue that they have. But um, we're primarily intellectual disabilities. And we have athletes of all different kind. I mean, some are just happy to be there and it's a friendship thing and they just enjoy being a part of something and some of them are really hyper competitive and they are there to get a gold medal every time they are on the track or whatever it is so um it's really cool but we have we have some really fantastic athletes that's awesome when is that in Stevens Point? so I have, that's uh i think like first weekend of june every summer okay, or maybe so it's second weekend of June. Yeah, it, so that happened. it was great i mean the only the only thing that i want for that event is and this is one of my initiatives as chairman which is a two-year commitment is i really want to grow the number of slots that we have available uh uw stevens point can accommodate a larger number of athletes than we're bringing but because our budget is what it is you know we have to cap it at somewhere. I think this last year was close to a thousand, but we could have 1500 there if we could afford it. 
Oh, wow. So you got um, room to grow. So we what, absolutely do. What can uh, some of our listeners who are interested in getting involved, uh, what can you recommend them doing? Uh, thanks for asking. I always tell people who say, well, how, how can I help you? I, said, I want you to be involved how you want to be involved. So if, if you want to be a coach, um, I can steer you that way. If you just want to volunteer at an event, you know, my dad, all those years coaching, he finally started helping me out uh, with our regional track and field event um, as an official. Oh, that's cool. And he said he's never had more fun on a track. This is a guy who coached for 40 years. That's awesome. But he loves being around the athletes. So if that's your bag, you just want to come and help for one Saturday a year, cool. Um, if you got a check that you want to write, I can help you there too. <laughs> we'll, we'll certainly take it. All right, cool. So, so we'll just take direction towards you. Yeah. Vince is on all social media channels, FYI, Twitter, find, Facebook, find me everywhere. Or elsewhere, specialolympicswisconsin.org. Anything else you need there. Cool. Before we go into our Cream City Pacers questions to end every show, I just want to talk about, like, when you think running stories of yours, what comes to mind? Really important in my life was what I told you about, that that 400 that I ran for um, my senior year football when we were out on the track just getting times, and I had knocked a significant amount off of my time from the year before. Um, what that meant to the coaches, how they looked at me, and what that meant to me physically, understand that was the first time I really understood it wasn't just noise from my old man, that I understood the connection between hard work and performance, and that running was a part of that. I would say that was a significant moment. And then just all-time great runs. I did a I did a five-mile in Door County that was part of, what is it, Door County Fall Fest. I don't know if they still do the five-mile, but it was the Sunday after a weekend of fantastic drinking work um nice. but what we managed and uh it's just a beautiful spot to run so and, and a five miler that's nothing to shake it shake a stick at it was it was pretty cool nice i like it you're like only race memory right yeah that's about it right i like it at least you like know every time then yeah All right, cool well let's jump into our cream city pacers rapid fire questions are you ready yes ready all right what do shoes... i have a buzzer i don't have a buzzer right I no just no I'll buzz bu- in. I'll, just... okay i'll buzz you if you're taking too long <laughs> okay, <cool. laughs> what shoes are you running in right now and would you buy them again uh i'm a nike man i'm not uh, specific to a particular model my dad's a, a nike pegasus guy um i'll do pegasus if it's the cheapest but i don't have a specific model but i'm nike always cool what's your favorite route to run in milwaukee um, I really liked my Bayview route, um, which was through South Shore Park and uh, up the Lakeshore there, particularly for the run back in where you're looking at the skyline. That is like one of my favorite views. Of Isn't that great? City. I love that. Yeah. Right from those rolling hills by the condominiums. Yes, exactly. Oh, that's a beautiful view. Okay. If you could bring one person to Milwaukee to run with you, who would it be? Always the sitting president of the United States, awesome. whoever it is. Love it. Is yeah, because that- we got things, I got stuff I want to discuss. All right favorite milwaukee race that you have have you run any milwaukee races no uh you know one if i think about a race that i would do okay let's do that i I think i'd like to storm the bastille one time i mean what a unique thing you're right downtown it's at night i mean it's have you done that one you must have done it right it's magic right fun i think one of our previous guests manuel it was his like first race and he loved it so much yeah i i think i I think i will put that on my list i'm not competitive but i think i'd like to do that oh it's not a competitive run either so it'd be right up your alley it is like a fun take it in run around the city there's so many people like you're not really racing it unless you're at the front of it so it's a good time something to do all right what's your favorite running accessory um again i'm a big nike fan um and i own eight shares of nike stock it was a gift from a friend that was once one share and now has split and split and split because he knows (laughs) i'm like a nike guy so whatever shoes i got on at the time are uh they're my favorite i just i just dig nikes what's your favorite song to get you jacked up before a run (sighs) um 
you know, I could go into ACDC. Uh, Thunderstruck is pretty uh, a pretty reliable uh, walk-up song, if you will. That is a very yeah. reliable walk-up song. Yeah. I like that. Or walk-out-the-back door song. <laughs> also also true. <laughs> All right. Do you have any upcoming running goals? I know you're injured. Uh, maybe let's look after you get back from Yeah, just, surgery. I mean, primarily, Alex, just to return. Um, you know, my running goal would be to, to get the knee healthy enough um, so that um, – Maybe I don't run every day. Maybe I mix elliptical in and, and whatever else in the future. But just to get back to where I can do four miles or I can do it outside um, at the pace that I want and, and not hurt. I'm um, excited to have you back running outside soon. Yeah, it'll I'm be excited. Great. <laughs> All right. So before we go, uh, one piece of advice you like to pass along to new runners. Uh, you know, for me, it's just consistency. Um, we talked about, you know, when I want, wanted to jump back in. Um, I felt like I was only at my best when running was an imperative, you know, when this was something that it was part of my routine and you don't have to do it five days, maybe it's three or whatever, but set whatever that is and then do it, um, and force yourself cause it doesn't always feel good. Um, and it feels less good for a guy like me as I've detailed extensively today, but, uh, you know, just stay consistent and, and stick with that routine because it will help you tomorrow. Tomorrow will be easier and the next day will be easier. And then within there, as you know, you still have some days that aren't your day. That was a crummy run or that didn't feel good. But largely for me, if, if it becomes not a choice, I'm running today, then you'll do it and you'll stick with it. Oh, I love that. That's I'm motivated right yeah. now. Let's, <laughs> I actually would like to run a little bit. Yeah, let's go for a run. All right, Vince, thanks for being on the show. And uh, we'll, I'll see you soon on TV. Right. Awesome. It's a pleasure. <laughs>